This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS Sports. The Wyndham Championship is underway in Greensboro, so we'll keep you posted on all the happenings at Sedgefield Country Club in just a few minutes. Meanwhile, somehow, someway, the Hall of Fame games tonight. Now, I couldn't really care less about the game. Raiders, Jags, without Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne. I'm sure all the Raiders starters are going to sit out too. That's just par for the course for a preseason game. None of the guys play. Hard for me to have much interest in that. That's usually what you get with the Hall of Fame game. However... It's hard to imagine me caring more, though, about the Hall of Fame class itself this year than the one that's going in. Because Sam Mills is going to be the first Carolina Panther to be inducted into the Hall. I understand Kevin Green and Reggie White, they played here. But nobody outside this area thinks they're Panthers when they hear those players' names. Be honest about it. You hear Reggie White. Are you thinking Panther before you think Packer or Eagle? When you hear Kevin Green, you're thinking Panther before you think Ram or Pittsburgh Steeler? I don't think so. Doesn't mean they weren't good, particularly Kevin Green when he was here, but it's not the same as Sam Mills. Which begs the question, is he the greatest Carolina Panther ever? 336-777-1600. I'd love to know your opinion on it. For me, I think there are only three good answers to this. Sam, Cam, or 89. Those are the three choices I will listen to arguments about. Sorry, Luke Keekley. Sorry, Julius Peppers. Now, if you would have asked me this question two or three years ago, I think it probably was Cam Newton. Because of influence, Cam Newton put the Panthers on the map considering the position he played and the way he played it as Heisman Trophy winner and winning the NFL MVP and taking the Panthers to the Super Bowl and practically carrying them there. And having this vibrant personality that turned a ton of people from all across the country and all across the world into Panther fans because of him, I thought it was fair to say he was the guy. But the injury plague seasons on the way out of the first tour of duty, being thrown into the middle of things last year and it not going very well, that affects the way I think about Cam a little bit. I... I think that's fair, too. You're talking about two or three injury plague seasons and whatever you'd call that a year ago, that has to be factored in. So I think it bumps Cam down a a peg. And I think the conversation now rests on, is it Sam Mills or is it Steve Smith? Steve Smith, love his personality. You want to talk about confidence? Nobody loves Steve Smith more than Steve Smith does. But even with that being the case, listen to the way Smitty spoke about Sam Mills. This is right after the news dropped earlier in the year that Mills would be getting in and his last year of eligibility. With Sam Mills, he is the first Carolina Panther to be inducted to the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, he lost his life, but he's also, which I continuously will beat the drum and say, 
he is the greatest Carolina Panther to ever put on a jersey because what he exudes, who he is, what he gave us as a player, but he gave us more as a coach to the point of where he was receiving cancer treatment, but yet still coaching men at the linebacker position. If Steve Smith says Sam Mills is the greatest, I'm going to believe him. I'm going to agree with him. But while talking about Sam, playing the rest of the clip, Steve actually said something I didn't know about his connection with Sam Mills. Sam Mills passed April 18th, 2005. <clears throat> the same morning, Boston Smith, my son, was born. Hmm. And so it comes full circle that one great man left, and I, God willing, I hope my son Boston becomes a great man like Sam to impact the world the same way that, that, that Sam did. And so for me, I always remember that. That's something, a, a part of our family um, that you just can't let go. And so I wanted to take that time to acknowledge it. Pretty cool. What Steve was acknowledging there was both Sam Mills as a coach for Carolina and Sam Mills as an inspiration, the way he lived while fighting a disease that he was told he would succumb to in just a few months, but lasted 20 while fighting cancer. Those are the two stages of greatness that I don't think any other player, whether it be Peppers or Cam or Smitty or Keekly or whoever, can check. He was an assistant coach. And not just a token assistant coach. Oh, this is a former legend here. We just want him on the staff because it looks good. No, no, no. He was a linebackers coach for a Super Bowl, uh, an, NFC an NFC championship team that lost by a last-second kick in the Super Bowl. And the strength of that team, you could argue, was the linebacking core, led by Dan Morgan. So he was an assistant coach, adding to his Panthers legacy. And in death, he became an inspiration. He championed the slogan, keep pounding, which is plastered on t-shirts and on social media and on every wall, it feels like, of that facility. Darren Gant is going to be our guest at 5.30 from Canton, who he will be uh, a bit, you know, he, he will talk this down. He will be self-deprecating about, but it is true. He... Darren Gant fought for Sam Mills' name year after year among Hall of Fame voters to try and get him to this point. He's a reason, a reason why that Sam Mills is being inducted today. He wrote a great story at Panthers.com that's a long-form story that had to take a long time to write that's really good today. It's up on my social media, too. And he talked about the when Keep Pounding was born. And it was the first week of 2004, the day before the Panthers were set to play the Dallas Cowboys in a wild card game. That was the Super Bowl run. And after practice, the day before the game, Sam Mills addressed the team. And it wasn't like it was scheduled. It's not like he was speaking with notes or anything. It was impromptu. And he went on for 10 minutes. And the crux of the message was that I've been fighting this disease for months. And my two choices are die or keep pounding and you 
when given the option in life to keep pounding and keep pushing on. Don't quit. Keep pounding. And that is why it's something that they chant football games that they still have. It's, it's inspiring, even to this day. But the question at the beginning of this segment was, who's the greatest player ever? As great as the inspiration is, just because you're inspiring doesn't mean you're a great football player. And to answer that question, I'll ask another. How many players have their statue in front of the stadium for the Panthers? Bank of America stand. How many players have their statue there? Oh, but Josh, that's because of the keep pounding and the inspiration and the cancer diagnosis. No, no, no. That statue was erected five years before his cancer diagnosis in 1998. They didn't give Sam Mills a statue because they felt bad for him or pity for him, or thought that he was an inspiring figure. No, they gave him that statue because he was the best Panther, and they knew that this was an all-time great. They knew this was a Hall of Fame caliber player when he retired after three seasons with Carolina. He played in the USFL where he was great. He played with the Saints where he was great. He had his best career season in 1995 individually, 96, best team performance. Like, I mean, this is the dude that had a pick six in the Panthers' first ever win their inaugural season. Same dude who clinched their first playoff win against the Cowboys in 96 with an interception. To the people who say, oh, he's a saint. Really? How many playoff games he win there? Okay. They got a statue in front of uh, the Superdome of, of, of Sam Mills? No. He's a Panther. He's the first Panther to get inducted. It's special that this is happening. And I think, I think he's the greatest Panther of all time. WD, do you agree? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Three three six seven 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 one six hundred on Twitter at WSJS Radio. Getting to the Wyndham Championship. At the top of the leaderboard, John Huh at nine under par shot sixty one today. Pretty good day for Korean golf, I'd say. John Huh is an American. He was born in the United States, but spent twelve years of his childhood in South Korea. His parents of South Korean descent birdied seven today, had an eagle, no bogeys. Decent round of golf. The One of the highest ranked players in the tournament, Sung J M, South Korean native, is second in the tournament at seven under par. K.H. Lee is floating in red digits right now. I think Siwoo Kim as well. A lot of South Korean golfers. A lot of Korean golfers are out there having great round ones of the Wyndham Championship. We'll keep you posted on what's going on at Sedgefield throughout today's show, but that's what's going on at the top of the leaderboard. Let's get the show going. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. Vegas, baby! Vegas! That's where the sixth man of Tar Heel basketball, B-Dot, is. Currently, he joins us now, and Dot, it's just good to have you on. What is in Las Vegas? Sin. Sin. <laughs> sin. sin. That's why they call it Sin City. You Ain't all need Jesus. Sin and, 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 and festive vibes. 
I'm trying to be productive, but my God, there's so much sin everywhere. Every corner you turn, it's just sin, sin, sin. <laughs> Gambling sin and smoking sin and women's sin. It's just sin but everywhere. why are you there? Well, the National Association of Black Journalism, NABJ, um, they have a conference every year. Okay. And you know, Josh, I've been very serious about this journalism stuff. You know, I was just in Winston with you when you invited me out to the um, national, what is, what are the exact National Sports Media Association, the NSA. There we go. I always mix up the M and the S, but the National Sports Media Association joint, um, I was appreciative to be at that in Winston. Um, every year, the NABJ, they have an annual convention. Um, about three, four years ago, they had it in Detroit. Due to COVID, it shut it down for a couple of years. So this is the first time it's been back in a while. And it's in Vegas. And I just so happened to be booked to perform at the Mirage in Vegas on Saturday. So this really just works for me to come out here this week and actually be a part of the NABJ and then to um, finish it off um, um, on Saturday performing at the Mirage, bro. Given how embarrassing I am when we hang out together, have I ever been the subject of one of your jokes without using me by name? Like, have I ever done anything that led to you saying, man, I know this one guy, fill in the blank, insert joke. Not yet, but I'm working on it. Um, your your wedding gave me a lot of material, and um, you know, uh, you know, it's just awesome to see the music that that demographic gets extremely teed up for. Okay, so you know, like for us, we have Meek Mill, you know, dreams and nightmares. Oh. I used to pray for times like this to grind like this, oh. to grind like that, to shine like this. See, white people have pour some sugar on me. Yeah, we we did this bit when he hosted the show. Yeah. We, we played. He's some working of songs. it through. He's working it yeah. through. I like. I it. am. I it am. Works. But I'm 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 building on that a little bit. Um, of course, being the only black person at a white person's wedding on a plantation. There were two. There were two. Well, he was invited and he was brought by another white person. So that really doesn't count, unless you're talking about the two being me and my wife. No, his name his name was on the invitation. Okay, that's fair. Well, that's that's not that was nice of you, Josh. Nevertheless, I was in the wedding. Okay, so to be the only black person in the wedding, fair. that was also on a plantation. It's just tons of it's just tons of material there. So I'm working through it, I'm, but I'm pretty sure that um it'll be on a on a DVD one of these days. I just didn't appreciate. And when I say I don't appreciate, actually, I find it funny, and I really do appreciate it. But it sounds funnier to say you don't appreciate it. I don't appreciate yeah. Dot going up to people at the reception. And just whispering in their ears, I can hear my ancestors. <laughs> I didn't appreciate that too much. Okay, let's get to, uh, this is a great transition to grammar school, so let's get to that. Let's do it. Josh Graham has his own way of speaking. In high school, he didn't play sports, but he did wear a helmet. And just when you think it can't get any worse. My English teacher wanted to flunk me in junior high. Damn. Thanks a lot. Next semester, I'll be 35. Josh is going to attempt to learn B-Dot's vernacular. I'm from the old school. I got a street knowledge. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's time for B-Dot's Grammar School. Dot. What's is, up? It's grammar school. People know the rules by now. If you don't, he's going to pitch three things at me that are urban terms, and usually I get them wrong. But if you want to help me, 336 I'm going to start things out with a caucastic word. And man, I look all over the place. I could, there's so many places I could go. Like, I could ask you something golf related since the Wyndham Championships in Greensboro. I'm not going to do that to you. You're in Thank Las you. Vegas. You're in Las Vegas. So I'm going to make it easy for you. 
Elvis Presley's known for Las Vegas. I just need you to tell me the name of one Elvis Presley song. Viva Las Vegas! And Blue Suede Shoes. I'll do Blue Suede Shoes and Hound Dog. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Wow. Running up the score. Yeah. I like Elvis. Well, you know, Elvis stole a lot of his material from black people. But I, I how many people, people like how him. many people, I, where is the line between stole and influenced? Because if we're, I feel like a lot of people, like if, if that's the line for Elvis, then so many, almost every white person in a sense has stolen something in terms of what's cool, influential, or culturally relevant from the black community. Well, that's fair, but the difference is when black people were doing the hip thrusting, it was provocative and sexual in nature and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When Elvis did it, it was a dude with moves. Ooh, look at the moves he's got. This guy, <laughs> like, bro, James Brown been doing that since he was two years old. James Brown got a whooping one time for not taking the trash out and did all them Elvis moves, okay? Yeah, yeah. That might not be a fact. I don't know if that's a fact. What's the first word you got in grammar school today? I would just like to let you know, Josh Graham, that you cannot use WD for a lifeline today. Fair. All right. I have the audience. 336-777-1600. I might need it. What does it mean to hit a lick? Oh, hit a lick. I low-key think this is a review word. I feel like we've had this before. And the reason that WD cannot be a lifeline today is because I'm out here in Vegas working and playing and working and working and playing some more. And I told WD, I said, I don't have any grammar school words, WD. He said, fret not. <laughs> I got you, bro. So it was a joint these. effort today. Joint effort. So you can't use WD because I know he knows these because he sent them to me. But the fact that he knew them, I was like, yo, my boy WD is plugged in. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, what does it mean to hit a lick, Josh Graham? I'm going to say hit a lick means like uh, to grab some drinks and hang out with the guys. Hit a lick. Like hit a, li like hit a liquor store. Hit, hit some liquor. Yes, yes. I, I see what you did there, Josh Graham. Wrong as hell, but I see Aww. what you did. <laughs> okay, what is it? Hit a lick is to like to rob somebody. Oh, okay. So yeah. You could, yeah, we hit a lick. So we you rob could rob somebody. a liquor store. Or but. or just to make some money. Yeah, yeah. yeah that is fair. A That's good fair. chunk in a in a short amount of time, a good chunk of money. Gotcha. Uh, exactly. That's it. To make a good chunk of money with like if you if you sell some jewelry and you come up on a lot of money, we'll be like, I just hit a lick. Yeah, that's that right. Money. You to make that much. <laughs> All right, I'm over one. What's the second one? What are dead presidents? Oh, oh my God. I know a few songs by, wait, isn't the name of the song Dead Prez? <sighs> now you're just trying to upset me. Now you're just trying to get me fired up out here in Vegas. <laughs> Want me to hop through the phone and slap the hell out of you? Know, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Uh, like it's the song that plays during every Chappelle show when he walks out, right? You really are you talking? Are you thinking about most death? Or are you no, no. About dead Prez? Dead Prez. Okay. Have you ever seen the movie Dead Presidents? No. It's a very good movie. I really think you would enjoy Dead Presidents. You might even cry watching Dead Presidents, Joshua Graham. What does it mean? Are are, are you saying, uh, what are dead presidents, or what yeah. is dead presidents? What are? It's plural. Dead presidents are plural. Okay. Dead presidents. 
That should help out a good amount, too. It should, shouldn't yeah. it? And it's common sense. Just think about it, you big weirdo. <laughs> like, what What else could it be? No, 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 no. Don't you help, WD. Yeah, I better, I better stop. Yeah, you I were about to help. You were I about to stop. overly extend yourself. Plural. Dead president. <laughs> Um, 336-777-1600 if anybody would like this is sadness um I I'm gonna say something stupid yeah probably that's probably what I'll say I'm just gonna retreat into the background and have you tell me no No. you gotta give us a guess it's such an easy one okay Dead. I'm gonna say like uh, empty, empty beers. Those are dead presidents. Are you trying to get drunk tonight or something? Why is every why is your point of reference alcohol and liquor so much for today? I don't know. Josh, you're gonna be so upset when I tell you that dead presidents is money. Oh. Where are all the dead presidents, Josh? On the money. I feel shame. I feel shame. You should. I, I'm disappointed in you. I, I, you should. Be. I'm very disappointed in you. Really, dead president. All right. I. This is like the time I felt disappointed last week, where I asked you to name one hockey player. <laughs> or with me but every day. Any hockey player. It had, to, it had to be current though. Like I could have hit you with Wayne Gretzky, but you didn't give me all. Oh, that's time. right. That's right. Okay. What? What is the? What's the last one? Last word. What does it mean if you're flossing? Oh, yeah. Not are we talking about the dance that kids do? We're not talking about that, right? I dig it. Here's the thing. That's not what I was talking about. However, WD, I can't see because I'm on Zoom. But if he can do the floss dance, he can have the point. All right. Check us out, Doc. Can you do the floss dance? Is he doing it? Yeah. Is it is it that like side to side? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's one, he's that flossing then. Flossing. Is he flossing? He's flossing. flossing. That's what I'm doing. Are you I, serious? I should have it for you. Flossing on these haters. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. All right, I'm gonna take my point where I can get it. What does flossing actually mean? It just means you shining, you stunting, you flossing on them, yeah. you swagging. You know what I'm saying? You came with the nice car with the big rims. With whoa, the jewelry whoa. I, I think I deserve a double bell because I just said I'm flossing on those haters, which is exactly how you would use that word, right? That is a very good point, Josh Graham. From the depths of the sea, Look at that. creeping and crawling, you have got two points and have been successful in grammar school. I don't even know how that happened. Yeah. How did that happen? How excited are you to watch uh, preseason football tonight? There's preseason football tonight? Exactly. That That's B-Dot. B-Dot, enjoy uh, Sin City. <laughs> Absolutely, James. There he goes from the NABJ uh, conference they have over there in Vegas. It's B-Dot joining us. Always somewhere interesting. Always an interesting segment. Follow him on Twitter at B-Dot if you haven't already. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. A double helping of Hayes Permar in Sports Channel 8. He was sitting in for Adam Gold, we heard a short while ago. And now he's here with us. We'll play skips or plays with Hayes momentarily. But since the Wyndham Championship's going on in Greensboro right now, round one action with uh, John Huh leading the way currently at nine under par, shooting 
61 in round one. I got to ask you, Permar, you're a man of the people and you're somebody I rely on for advice on how to live life, particularly how to maneuver through given sporting events that we have in the state. So when you're attending a golf tournament as a spectator, what's your approach? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, it, it depends on how many days you have because I like to do uh, one you day. Know, You're there for one day. What are you one doing? Day. All right, I'm following somebody I like for nine holes. Like I'm following Harold Varner or Webb Simpson for nine holes. Like pick them up at number one and through nine, walking around as if they would, following every shot. Um, I think it's kind of cool. When you take for granted the walking part of golf, I'm not trying to overplay it, but it is kind of cool. When you realize, especially at some courses, you're going up and down and over hills or whatever, and just you just watch them. You you pick up on their conversations. Um, you especially at a, at a tournament like Wyndham, obviously going to be a lot of fans there, but it's not a major or the Ryder Cup. There are plenty of spots on the course where you'll be one of you know six or eight people following a Harold Varner or a Webb Simpson if you're at their fairway shot on number you know 13 or whatever. So you just pick up cool stuff, and then the other half of the day, I'm picking you know, my favorite green to try and see three or four good golfers come through there in like a two to three hour stretch, hopefully with somebody else. And we're sitting beside each other and betting on who makes birdies, pars, hits the green, just betting everything and, and keeping a tab. And at the end of the day, figuring out who owes who what. So half, half a day, I'm following a golfer I like. Maybe not even somebody famous, but somebody that I like and just watching them attack a nine. And then the other half of the day, I'm trying to pick the, the best place in shade where I can see a green or two. And, uh, and have some fun betting on who's hitting the greens. Hey, Spermart, yeah, I did the sit at one hole last year, and you'd be surprised. If you just stay put at a spot, people are going to be trying to make bets with you left and right. That happened to me cool. like three or four times. I didn't try to engage with anybody, but people were just like, hey, man, bet you 20 this guy makes this putt. Exactly, dude. It's, it's so much fun. And like I said, you keep a running tab. Um, and and the, the walking with somebody is cool, too. And again, I remember doing this with Webb. Years ago at the Congressional, I forget the exact tournament, it was Tigers Tournament, Congressional Country Club, the Webb hadn't even won yet, and obviously he hadn't won a major, so he won a big guy on tour, and it just, it's just super cool. I mean, they're, they're, every sport has the reasons that, that you know, experiencing their sport is different. One of the things that sucks about golf is you can sit at one part of the course and you may miss all the best shots going on somewhere else. But unlike any other sport, just saddling up with a golfer, walking with them as closely as possible and watching every one of their shots and sort of being invested in their round. I remember Webb specifically, he shot, I think he had three birdies and one bogey and like, you know, two under doesn't seem anything amazing, but like you go two under on every one of your nine as a professional and you're going to have a pretty good career. And it was just cool watching him grind out a nice little uh, two under nine. Hayes Burmar on Twitter at DHPIV. AG told me he was going to spend some time at the Wyndham, I think tomorrow. So are you in that chair again? Uh, yes, I will be back uh, in for Adam Gold. I, I assumed he was over there today. The big question was, we've already identified Adam Gold is definitely a golf dork, meaning he will watch you know, live from the U.S. Open starting on Monday morning before the major. Like, uh-huh. I might tune in live for the U.S. Open on Thursday, but not Monday. The question is, the peak of golf dorkdom is, do you wear golf spikes when you're a fan oh. at an event? And he's like, <laughs> He's somewhere in between because he's not a fan. And, and the other thing is, you can make the practical case for wearing the spikes because sometimes, you know, it's it's a little slick, especially if it's in the morning. You got some dew. You're standing on the side hill. Like, I've slipped on a golf course, but still, you cannot make the move 
to wear spikes as a golf spectator unless you're just pushing all your chips in as a golf dork. Let's play a Wyndham Championship-themed edition of Skipser Plays with Hayes since we got him. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. Feels like 06, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. And since it's the Wyndham Championship, we figured, or Will and I together figured here, how about we do a Wyndham-themed Skips or Plays? Wyndham Rewards Hotels. That is the sponsor of this golf tournament, as it's been for a long time, and will be, I think, for the next decade or so, through 2032. So, WD has come up with, and I have no idea what songs he selected, songs that you would listen to on vacation. Oh, okay. I was I was trying to figure out what a Wyndham-themed Skips or Plays was going to be. Is it like songs you'd listen to in a hotel casino? Elevator? Um, a little elevator uh, yeah. music in there? I didn't know yeah, Wyndham was a hotel until today. Well, now you that. do. Boom. Yeah. That's the power of sponsorship, so that radio shows <laughs> such as this one might do a Wyndham, uh, might do a themed game based on the fact that you sponsor this golf tournament. That's right. All right. What what's the first song? Let's start off with Kokomo by the Beach Boys. Aruba, Jamaica. Ooh, I wanna take Bermuda, Bahama. Come on. Alright, I've tried to determine how much of this song to let play. But let me ask a question. Will, young Will, do you ever remember an MTV show called Next? It was like a game show type show. It was called Next. It was a dating show. I know this where show. Where people would be on the bus. It was almost like, uh, I think Bachelor Bachelorette. There's one guy or girl that's the main person, and then the rest are contestants trying to, you know, be the person. And they would get off the bus one by one and see how long they could make it into a date. Like, they might start something, and then they would say, you know, the guy would inevitably say something really stupid, and in the middle of the date, the girl might say, next, this date is over, and I want the straight, straight jump to the next guy, right? And occasionally, occasionally, a person would step off the bus, and just their look alone, the girl or the guy who was, you know, the contestant would just say, next. Like, I don't even need to hear it, the next. Oh. That's my. I'm giving this a skip. As soon as you said Kokomo by the Beach Boys, <laughs> I almost cut off and didn't let you play this and said next. Get this non Brian Wilson yes. sellout, hey, made up vacation spot uh, song out of here. It's, it's a disgrace that the Beach Boys name is even associated with this. Yes, maybe at, in 1988, I stayed up as a 10 year old to hear this song many times on the Hot 10 of 10 on my local pop radio station. But this is a terrible song. It should be skipped, burned, buried, and never played again. I take it you haven't seen Next, Will. No. He watched There Will Be Blood for the first time last night because I made him, and we'll hear (laughs) what he thought about it on tomorrow's show. We're culturing young Will on this show. Mm -hmm. Uh, What is, and by the way, anything other than really pet sounds, uh, Beach Boys, probably a skip, I'd say, Hayes. There's 
some there's some other good Beach Boys songs out there, but no, uh, yeah, post Pet Sounds, there's not a whole lot. After that, just go just go get Brian Wilson's Smile, and that's better than anything the Beach Boys did after Pet Pet Sounds. Okay, number two, the number two song on Skipster Plays with Hayes, Wyndham Championship themed. This is either going to be really good or really bad. Vacation by the Go Go's. <laughs> it's a big swing. I know. Now this, this is a play. This is a play. There's a difference between a campy song and a good song that was made during a campy music era. And this is a good song. I can't even say. Is, is it? Is National Lampoon's Vacation? Is that the song that this is kind of the theme for? I forget. It's I don't think so. Movies. It was Wet and Wild. Oh, there oh, you go. Well, yes, I was yeah. like, there, there's so, or uh, yes, yes. There's some. There's a vacation type uh, movie that uses this song, but no, this is a great song. Go goes, good stuff, good song. Hey, Spermar. Love that Robert's voice is still on this station. Should we? Should we redub that? Should Will redub that voice? No, I think it was Robert's like last wish that he lives on. And yeah. uh, yes, I like I that. I like that. Okay, let's close things out. You got one skip, one plays. Will Dalton going to impress Hayes Permar this week with songs that he likes. What's the third vacation song? Mexico by James Taylor. Ooh. We down here. You need a reason to feel The sneaky part of uh, of Mexico is it's got a Baby James reference. He says Baby James, referencing, I, I don't know if it's the same Baby James or Sweet Baby James, but I like it nonetheless. This is an underrated James Taylor song, even though I, mean, I think it makes it on his greatest hits, but still not one of the first ones you think of. But that is a great tune and a good vacation tune. That's a play. Hayes Permar. Some guy in a bucket hat just got to six under par at the Wyndham Championship. I got it on in the TV here. Why don't you see more guys on tour in bucket hats? I don't know. I'm a big fan of the bucket hat. I wear it. I rock it a lot on vacation. I like a bucket hat that's a little bit too small for me. For like bucket bucket hats when they get too big are a little goofy. I like mine a little small, even though like some people are looking at me like that hat's too small, but some people are like, you know what? That's perfect. I get a lot of compliments. I got a pineapple. It's all white with blue pineapples on it. It's a great bucket hat. And you're right. There should be more of them. Permar, I expect that. Usually, I only say this because this is what I do. When I'm guest on other shows, usually I mine them for like uh, content. Like if they say anything interesting in the interview and I just use it on the show the next day. Because sure. how are they going to know? Uh, you can do that. And probably we still will know. But um, feel, feel welcome to use any bucket hat related material or perhaps figuring out the right approach to maneuver the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield this week. Will do. I'm still playing off my – I'm using my uh, takes that I had at the beach while on vacation and then bringing them back. Oh, hanging out under a show. pier, right? Like you're hanging out yeah. under the pier no, like I was no, last weekend? No, not hanging out under a pier like a psycho. I was laying out how you're actually <laughs> supposed to do North Carolina beach sitting and never block another man's setup. That was my take today, so – Yes, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep running vacation takes, but if I need to, I'll go to uh, guest radio takes for sure. Hashtag peer gang. Hayes, appreciate the time. Talk to you later. Talk to you soon. That's Hayes on Twitter at DHPIV. Skips or plays, always a lot of fun. And congrats to <laughs> WD. Nailed it. Man, you started out slow, but then you came in strong. I could have told you that Kokomo wasn't going to go well. I kind of. 
I was surprised. I mean, I, I thought... You got to have Brian Wilson. That's important. I you see. don't know who Brian Wilson is. Was was he a member of the Beach Boys? Yeah. Okay. He was. Well, it probably matters. He was the member of the Beach Boys. The other guys, all due respect, mm-hmm. don't really matter as much. As much. If you read all the stories about the Beach Boys way back when, Pet Sounds, still one of my favorite albums. Which is not an original thing to say. Hey, you know what I really like. I like uh, Sergeant Pepper's pretty good stuff. Don't know if you know about it. Pretty good. This is it. You ready? All right, hold on. All right, do it, do it. All right, listen up. It's The Drive with Josh Graham. The Hall of Fame game. Kicks off in two and a half hours. So why don't we go out to Canton, where Hall of Fame voter Darren Gant joins us from Panthers.com. We have one more pair of Ario Speedwagon Sticks and Loverboy tickets to give out for Saturday night in Charlotte, PNC Music Pavilion. You know what? Since Darren Gant lives in Charlotte, you have any interest in seeing REO Speedwagon Sticks or Loverboy, Darren Gant? I would have interest in seeing all of those people. Uh, i got to check the calendar to see what my availability is. <laughs> I, I know Journey's playing here in Canton uh, after the enshrinement ceremony on Saturday night, so we could check off a lot of 80s boxes there. Yeah, it sounds like you got plans for Saturday night, though, so we'll just give away those REO Speedwagon Sticks and Loverboy tickets right, when fine. you hang up with us here. Uh, you're not going to like uh what i'm about to say because you're a humble person but you and i have been talking about sam mills in the hall of fame for about a half dozen years different things (laughs) that the panthers or different things that voters have been talking about and how often you and jeff duncan in new orleans have been bringing his name up for potentially being a guy and you told us that this past year was going to be a big year for you because it's the last chance. It was the last chance for Sam to get in his 20th and final year of eligibility. He's getting in. It would not have happened if you guys didn't push for it. How satisfying is it for you this weekend to be there and watch Sam Mills get in? I think more than anything else, Josh, and I'll be honest when I say this, I'm happy to tell this story over and over and over because I got in this business to tell great stories. And I don't know if there's a better one than Sam Mills. I'll be honest with you. It's uh, a, a 28-year-old NFL rookie is not supposed to make the Hall of Fame. Uh, a shop teacher at East Orange High School in New Jersey is not supposed to make the Hall of Fame. A five-foot-nine linebacker is not supposed to make the NFL at all. So, I mean, being able to talk to all these people at every juncture, I mean, it's it's so neat just walking through the airport when we got to Canton a little bit ago and you, you look around, and it's like a reunion of all these people who touch Sam Mills live. Hey, over there's Bill Poley, and over there's Jim Skipper. People are coming from every corner of the United States because Sam's message is so powerful. I mean, not only as a player, but, again, the story. And the, the story we had today on Panthers.com about the day of the keep-pounding speech, 
I mean, it, it, it's such a neat thing to talk to all of those people who are involved in that. So uh, to be able to share those stories is gratifying for me. Uh, I have told the family, and I'll tell you and I'll tell anybody who listened to me, I could stand on the table and tell Sam Mills stories all day long, and I'd be happy to, and I'd never get tired of it, even if other people did. The quotes at the end of that story that you're referring to from Steve Smith are worth the click alone. So do that. Support the people who come on with us. Uh, it's also just a heck of a read at Panthers.com. Darren Gant with us here. Given the way, speaking of that, given the way the keep pounding mantra has ballooned, you would think Sam Mills, the inspiration, was what got Sam Mills into the Hall of Fame and even got him a statue at Bank of America Stadium. But that, yep. for people who don't know, and I've been pounding this home, pun intended, that that was erected in 1998 before the five years before that cancer diagnosis. And there's yeah. a reason why they gave the man a statue. He's not just two words of a chant that they play at bank of America stadium or that fans chant back and forth. So let's talk about the actual right. football career, the things you're hitting on that maybe even those voters don't m know much about let much less the listeners who are listening to our voices right now. What made him a hall of fame special player? Well, I mean, one of the things, I mean, he was overlooked because of the physical stuff all his life. But in a weird way, Sam made that an advantage to him. You've heard the old football cliche, low man wins. There was never a lower man than Sam Mills. <laughs> I mean, he, he understood leverage better than anybody. And he was a high school wrestler. Um, you know, I mean, all of those things. Sam was a thumper. Sam was a hard-hitting inside linebacker, the kind they don't really make anymore. And, you know, Zach Thomas, who's the finalist for the Hall now, is kind of that same mold. And and I think it's fair to say without guys like Sam Mills, um, those guys might not come around because people like Bill Parcells have all – I mean, Parcells have always said, I was wrong about him. I think they ought to be bigger than that. And Sam just played so much bigger than he was. Um, I was fortunate enough to be able to see – those games in 95, 96, 97, um, the interception against the Jets was just simply a man who knew what was going on when it was going to happen and stepped in front of a play. Uh, Sam was a thumper. All of those plays, if you look back on those years, you can see his impact on every one of them. To make a Pro Bowl at 37 years old, which he did at – in 1997 or 96, that's not just a ceremonial thing. I mean, he was one of the best linebackers in the game at age 37. So it's, uh, it, it is an incredible story. Um, he was great at football and just one of those guys who was honored by his peers. I mean, you get other football players talking about him. I mean, even younger guys like you know, Mike Minner. Mike Minner was a hitter. Mike Minner wasn't the biggest guy around, but Mike was in awe of Sam. So when we were talking recently, you know, you could just hear his voice breaking up because he was like, Darren, I could do this all day. And, I mean, all the football players had all the respect for him because of the football stuff, because he was so good at it. Darren Gant is joining us from Canton. Hall of Fame game tonight. Sam Mills going in. Would you say that the two greatest Carolina Panthers ever – stand at are shorter than five foot ten uh another guy who would be in that conversation could probably jump over those two guys because i think if we're gonna 
get into this, Julius Peppers is is probably a guy we should talk about too. And, and we're splitting hairs because these are all three: Steve Smith, Sam Mills, Julius are all great players, great Carolina Panthers. And and Julius, you know, Steve's a eligible now. He was a semifinalist this year. Julius will be first year eligible next. Uh, in 2024, and I don't think he's going to have to wait very long. I mean, when you look at the career he put together, you know, if Jason, I don't, I hate comparing this guy or that guy because it makes it sound like I'm demeaning somebody else. Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from Jason Taylor. He was a brilliant player. Julius was just better than. We're him comparing supermodels. That that's fair to say. Like we're we're not saying right. anybody's ugly. Sure, sure, and, and I think Steve. I think Steve will probably be in. I don't know. The Hall's got you and I have talked about this before. The Hall's got a little bit of a traffic problem at his position. Yeah, let's stay, um, let's let's dive deep into that because I, you're going right where I wanted you to go. But right. for people who don't know, you mentioned Smitty was not a finalist last year, and I think three wide receivers were Tory Tory yeah. Holt, uh, Reggie Wayne, and Andre Johnson. You're in those rooms. Right. You know exactly how this works. Five modern day candidates get in. And it's really hard to crack that list of five candidates. It's even harder, it seems yep. like, to get multiple guys at the same position. So when you look at it and you see Darrell Revis, Joe Thomas, potentially uh, Dwight Freeney, who might be a first ballot guy next year, and you're looking at three wide receivers that, given this past year's vote, seem to be ahead of you in line as a wide receiver, it, when what exactly is Steve Smith looking like? Well, I mean, like I said, it's gonna. It could take a minute because once people perceive a line in a certain way, it tends to stay that way for a second, um, and unless something changes or unless people's minds get changed. I think um, to, the one thing I will say about all those guys, when you mentioned a few of those names, Steve Smith played his career with Chris Winkie and Rodney Pete and Jake DeLome and Joe Flacco. He didn't get a chance to catch balls from Kurt Warner. He didn't get a chance to catch balls from Peyton Manning. So I, I think when you start considering what the numbers actually look like, you know, I, I believe Steve's got an incredible case based on Steve. I mean, he's one of the toughest little bastards I've ever seen play pro football. And he just – of the ten greatest catches I've ever seen him make, three or four of them were in games because he went that way in practice. So I, I think Steve's got an incredible case based on his own merits, but it, it is a little interesting to me how we measure these things because some guys get in by winning titles and some guys get in by stacking up numbers and some guys get in because they're fortunate enough to play with people who were really good as well. So I, I think, you know, kind of my challenge to my peers in that room is to sort of isolate these things a little bit and let's take Steve Smith for Steve Smith and look at what this guy was able to do at five foot nine and change. And he'll tell you that it's changed. He'll tell you it's five, nine and three quarters and he will fight you for every eighth of an inch until you get there. Who was taller, Steve or Sam Mills? <laughs> they were about the same height, to be honest. Okay. With you. And both of them, both of them, kind of had that ability to say it with their chest. So <laughs> they they had a presence about them that was similar, and that's why you know. And again, if I could be as shameless to point people, we've got an archive of all our Sam Mills coverage on Panthers.com, and included in that is a story from about a week ago, maybe, uh, where Steve talked about the impact Sam on, had on him. Steve was a rookie 
uh, who wasn't sure if his own teammates liked him or if his team even wanted him. And Sam Mills walked up and put his arm around Steve Smith, made him feel welcome, and told him, hey, you know, there's a place in this league for five foot nine guys who won't say no. Darren Gant with us here. The one wide receiver you didn't refer to in terms of having a good quarterback to throw to him was Andre Johnson, who had Matt Schaub for a lot of those years. Um, <laughs> ish. How do you put those two side by side? Like, uh, w- and also, when you're in these rooms, does it ever become a conversation of one guy versus somebody else? Like, take me in that room. How does it work? Not particularly. I mean, the way I've always approached it, uh, and this is a little inside baseball, but uh, the way I've always approached it is I'm not looking for the best guy at this position. I'm looking for the best five guys. And in every year, that can change. I mean, I, I tend to think of guys in a certain way. Again, I think you might know based on this conversation how I view Steve's career compared to a couple other people. But, Andre, I mean, all of these guys have legitimate cases on their own. I mean, that's the thing. Andre Johnson was a freak. You want to talk about somebody who would have put up gigantic numbers if he had an actual quarterback. My gosh, he was, he was all that Steve Smith stuff plus big. And, you know, he had an incredible year, uh, career, too. So I don't want to take anything away from him. But it, it, it's a balance, and it is absolutely, when you go into those meetings, uh, we have done them recently by Zoom. Uh, I don't know that it will ever go back to live, but when those, uh, when those meetings are live and you're sitting in there around the table you know, like the old Roman Senate, uh, it's some good discussion, and it can get a little – I don't want to say it's getting heated because guys take this seriously, um, but it's all cordial and it's all done in the spirit of putting the best class we can in front of these good people in Canton. But um, it's it's a unique experience, one I'm grateful to be a part of. Getting to this year's team, what's been your favorite story from the first week of training camp? You know what? C.J. Saunders, I talked to him the other day. C.J. Saunders? We're talking return men? Yeah, we're talking five foot nine receivers all day long, baby. Let's do it. Um, no, CJ's a guy. Uh, there was just a question in the mailbag about this, about all the receivers, and they go about nine deep of guys you think are going to be on the roster, and they ain't going to be but six. Well, if you look out there with the starters right now, when they go three wide, it's DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson and CJ Saunders in the slot. He runs routes. He gets to the place where you need to be. Uh, and then he catches the ball when he gets there. I mean, quarterbacks like throwing a cast like that. So he's uh, he's been an interesting one to me. Obviously, the quarterback competition is an object of fascination. And, you know, Baker has looked good. But Baker Mayfield is a guy, if Baker Mayfield's your starter, you have to accept interceptions into your life. They are going to happen. Uh, but he's also made some plays, that big 60-yard bomb the other day when he hooked it up for Robbie Anderson was – pretty neat and he's capable of making big plays in multiple directions so i think it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out but um yeah it's definitely been an interesting camp for a couple days you enjoy canton the next few days and great job on all the stuff you've done covering sam mills the story of the coverage of hit uh, leading up to saturday and uh, i know we'll be chatting sometime soon thanks again for doing this yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it.